Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 112 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. How is everybody doing? I hope you guys are doing well. I'm getting so excited to head up to Michigan with my buddies from New Ghost Town, also with Keith, the uh, Picky Fingers Banjo podcast. He'll be playing banjo with us. We'll be in Bay City at the State Theater and at Ferndale at Otis Supply. I'm really, really excited for both these gigs. It's my bluegrass tribute to Tom Petty Band. And uh, we're coming up, if you're in the Southeast, I have a really big show to announce on December 14th. I cannot wait, uh, but I have to. <laughs> so that's how that goes. Anyhow, hope you guys have been doing great. Um, this weekend is the Modern Mandolin Camp. That is Jake Jolliffe, Matt Flinner, Maddie Whitler, David Benedict, Tristan Scroggins, Casey Campbell, Dominic Leslie, and the guest lecture from Mike Marshall. It's the 4th through the 6th. Jake Sheps is putting this all together. And... You can get 15% off. I know it's tomorrow, but you can get this 15% off. It's mandolins and beer 15, all one word, the number 15 at the end of that. So mandolins and beer, the number 15, all one word, no spaces. And uh, that's you get all access to the classes and the concerts will be recorded. They'll be on a password protected sites and there's going to be tons of sheet music and tabs. Those are some past guests from the podcast as well. Hey, I want to thank Adam, and I want to thank Robert. Adam joined the Patreon, and Robert upgraded his up to the uh, the $10 level. Thank you all so much. I have a whole bunch of different levels on the Patreon there if you'd like to support the podcast. Everything from $1, 2 and $3 to 4 8 and 10 And you can also do it annually and save 10%. So there's that out there. Also, if you could follow me on the Instagram and the Facebook, that would be awesome. I want to thank Peghead Nation for sponsoring this podcast. Again, let's talk about some great teachers. Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Feibish, and Chad Manning. Bluegrass, old time, all the styles are out there. Jazz, theory, beginner to advanced, it's all there at Peghead Nation. And Peghead Nation also offers you a discount. How about your first month for free? That's right. Join, join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free. Go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MandolinBeer, all one word, at checkout. Northfield Mandolins. Let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at NorthfieldMandolins.com. Download their app at MandoSummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and workshops. Also sponsored this week by Ear Trumpet Labs, who's celebrating 10 years of hand-building microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed, have great feedback projection for live use, and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments, whether for a single source like mandolin or single micing a full-string band. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com. Today I'm using mine for a very special event tomorrow, actually. So, Ear Trumpet Labs. Good stuff. And Pava Mandolins, dedicated to building for the impassioned player right out of Austin, Texas. Speaking of impassioned players, man, my guest this week, Johnny Stats. Oh, holy cow. So amazing, man. Um, and, and it's a hard time finding some of his stuff online. I believe Just Time Moves On is available at uh, Spotify and on iTunes. You can buy the physical albums at his website, johnnystats.com. Uh, and there are some spots where you can get some of the songs um, one MP3 at a time as well if you click around in there. So let's get into it, man. This guy, what an inspiring dude. This guy's <laughs> such a great attitude. I just got done editing it, and I'm I'm looking forward to grabbing my mandolin, actually heading to a gig here in about 30 minutes. And uh, just talking to Johnny just motivated me to play. What a fantastic guy. I hope you all enjoy this podcast. Cheers, everybody. All right, now it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Johnny Stats. Johnny, how are you, pal? Buddy, I'm hanging right in there on a rainy day here at Friday, buddy. Just a just sitting around here playing the mandolin a little bit of fiddle today. Yeah, you uh, reading some of the stuff about you playing a lot of mandolin. I, I'm guessing you've put a lot of hours in on that mandolin. Oh gosh, yes. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm 52 right now, and I, I started at the age of seven, oh, and wow. um, <laughs> and pretty well just you know just made it a part of my life all these years. Just um, practicing every chance I get. Um, 
and you know, uh, with my job, I work, and every spare moment I get, I usually go straight toward the mandolin. Yeah, that's great, and that's actually one of the big reasons why I want to talk to you, because if, if anybody's not familiar with your playing, which I would be surprised if they're not, because you are just... You're just so good. I mean, you just burn it up, and, and not only do you burn it up, but it's it's clear. And I mean, it's obvious. Hours of time have been put into there, and so I appreciate that. I'm telling you, one of the first one of the first albums I think I I, I ran across was um, Wires and Wood. When right when I first started picking a little bit, I was just like, "What is this?" Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, we put that album all out probably about 20 years ago, and and um, it, it it was a lot of fun putting that album out. We had we had such great talent on there. We had everybody from Sam Bush to to Tim O'Brien, etc., Jerry Douglas, um, Scott Vestal. I mean, we just had a whole lineup on there and you know is we we kicked off with that album and you know i pretty well had it 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 took off real good and um but i had to make a choice you know which what i was going to do with my life and um i kind of stuck with playing uh playing music on the side and working at ups through the week sure well it's a lot more uh uh, the music business we were just talking about this it's a It was fickle then, twenty years ago, and uh, now. <laughs> like, oh yeah, <laughs> now now it's a different ball game. I mean, I mean, it's just a. Back then, you know, I, I just I just got offered a full time job with EPS as a driver, and um, and then I had a chance um, on a major record label, uh, and um, so so what do you do? And and I I just basically thought, you know. I want to keep music fun. I don't want it to turn into a job. So I just want to play my mandolin um, on the weekends and raise a family and um, go to work. So, and, and still love what you do. And still love what I do. Every time I climb on the stage, which is about every weekend, you know, it, it, it's not a job to me. Uh, when I go up there, um, it's, the pressure is not there for me. I mean, this is just me. Um, but um, when I go up there, it's it's just all about having fun and being playing music with you know good friends and family and that's 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 what it was all about for me. And your last release, just just as we were talking a little bit about your most your most current thing that you had going was music from the mountain with Robert Schaefer, which mm-hmm. is um, which is only available in CD form, but it's still available on your website. And you had mentioned Robert's looking at to getting it maybe digitally digitally distributed. Yeah, and um, I think that's, um, I'm going to try to talk him into maybe putting on a couple sites like that to where we can um, get it out there. Um, Robert, I I pick music with Robert. Of course, he's a two-time national flat top picking champion and a great guy, great picker. And um, it's always a blast uh, getting to pick with him. And the best part of it, he lives 30 minutes from my house. So we we play all the time. And, um, but, um, but, uh, you know, just uh, Robert, I have been picking with him. Oh my gosh, probably 30, maybe 30 years. I'm, I'm telling my age now. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, but, um, it, it, so actually, you know, getting to pick music with, uh, Robert all these years and, and, um, and I got my own band called, uh, Johnny Stats and the Delivery Boys. We have a CD out called Time Moves On. And 
and um, like I said, I played about four different bands and try to and work about fifty-five hours a week. So I'm I'm a busy man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yes. That's great. So, uh, and and we were talking about you. You know, Robert had mentioned. You know, we were talking about the state of the music business just a second ago, and and before we started too, you talked about how Robert was mentioning. You know, the um, maybe going in and recording another album, and and that led to the discussion between you and I. It's I don't think people realize like you you put in hours, forty hours plus on recording this album, which isn't inexpensive, and mm-hmm. you know, and then a little bit of heart and soul in there. And like you say, you you can't hardly give a CD away anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and the way the way times have changed, you know, um, especially with my, me touring on the weekend and me working through the week, um, it doesn't leave much time for me to get in the studio. And then when you get a CD done, I mean, you know, they're making cars now. They don't even have CD players in them. Right. So you it kind of makes me just want to think. Well, I'll just get my CD and. and Lay my cup of coffee on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> so you put all that hard work in it, hours and hours, and like you say, your heart, and you, you go in there and take one, take two, take fifty, um, and um, then at the end of the day, you put your coffee on top of it. There but, are still people out there, thankfully, that buy them. But you know, compared to twenty years ago, compared to thirty years ago, I mean, it's it's a really small percentage any longer. Yes, I mean, I mean, well, of course, all maybe some of the older artists can remember back in the eighties and nineties and, and early two thousand. I mean, you go to a festival, you come off the stage, and you, the line was would be just a long line there waiting to get you know a CD. So, I mean, times have changed. Uh, social media has definitely changed this uh, world that we live in. So uh, you started playing at seven. How in the world did you get a mandolin in your hands at seven years old? Well, I was—I I still remember it. I was uh, on the porch with my dad and mom, and uh, dad said, of course, I come from a musical family, and my dad played the guitar, John Stats. So he's passed on, passed away, and my mom, she's still alive. She played the piano. My sister played the banjo. Of course, I had uncles played the the fiddle, and, and so Dad Dad told me, he said, we'd like to start your own music lessons. Of course, I'm young. He said, what do you want to play? And I said, the drums. And he said, we ain't going that route. We ain't going to do that. <laughs> he said, that's a no-go. <laughs> he said, well, ain't going to happen. So he said, so he had an old man laying in there laying, uh, and he said, and, and money was tight back then. And, you know, I was born in 69, so um, money was tight back then. He said, you you learn to play that mandolin in a little bit, and we'll we'll upgrade you. Well, I just got going in there and playing that thing all the time. Couldn't put it down, you know. Just maybe you know, just like it was a habit for me. I take that thing with me to the grocery store, riding down the road in a car. I just play that mandolin all the time. That's all I did. And um, before you know it, just started progressing on progressing. And the next thing I know, Dad got me another mandolin. And um, I just, I never looked back. After that, it, music is, man, a major part of my life. I can't imagine, you know, being without music in my life. It, it'd be, you know, I can have a bad day, and I can come home, and I can grab any instrument, and I can just start playing it, and it just takes me to a different world. It's it's better than a pill. Yeah, I agree. It, it's, it's better than any kind of pill that you can swallow. Um, to me, it's just music just does that much to me. Um, so, and, um, and as probably it does for a lot of folks, but man, and I don't have to be playing it. Um, I could, I could go to a concert and listen to somebody playing something and just, it just takes me to a different land. So that's, that's about basically how I started. And I started playing music, um, in bluegrass bands. And I'm at, I think my first one was around about a, Maybe nine, nine or ten. Oh my gosh! It. Yeah, Jeremy, uh, for first bluegrass band called the Bluegrass Heritage, and I sung tenor parts, and I played the mandolin, and then as years went on, I grabbed other instruments, a little bit on the fiddle, a little bit on the guitar, and mandolin. So that that helped me land other jobs in other bands too. 
Yeah, I saw a video of you um, playing uh, guitar like a, when I was doing like a deep dive of YouTube videos of you before. And oh my gosh, all of me, I think you were playing with someone and just crushing it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love to play all styles of music. Um, my heart's in bluegrass um, where I've, I've played all these years, but you know, I'm in, I'm in another band um, where we play some old time rock and we play in a gospel group and we play gospel and country and um, you know, I just, I just love good music. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, I think that's, that's what makes develops the styles. That's why everybody doesn't sound like Bill Monroe. You know what I mean? Because if it, you know, everybody listened to Bill Monroe, but everybody's got something else they listen to, which is what I, I, I love all that stuff um, because it's what defines us. Yeah, by me playing different styles of music, like I don't know, maybe some old rock and stuff like that. I am I influence that into my playing, um, but different rhythm patterns um, because you know. You know, if they're playing rock, it's that's t- totally different rhythm from from um, bluegrass. So it's stuff that you learn by playing all these different classical, all this other kind of music. You can incorporate it into your own style, and that's what I did. I don't try to copy nobody because uh, um, I n- I never was into that. Um, I just wanted to play what come you know come what I felt, and um, you know you you. Sometimes you'll hear a lot of pickers that, and you'll say, well, my God, they play just like Tony Rice. Well, there was already a Tony Rice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I don't think you're going to top what Tony did. Um, and so you might as well just play your own stuff and, and, and get your own style. And that, that's what makes the world go around. So when, you're, when you were sitting around, though, as a, as a little kid, like what was the stuff that you were learning, though, when you first started playing and you were just like, before you were a teenager, even what were the things that you were listening to or trying to trying to figure out? Well, the very first song I ever learned, I can still remember it, um, was uh, my dad wanted me to play a song called "Cindy." You know, get a little home, little Cindy, the old the old song right there. So I learned "Cindy," and um, then back when I started, tell my age here again, and you know, it was it was eight tracks eight tracks and you know we didn't have all this stuff that you can really just see right here on the computer now and I'd, I'd have the records and then I'd pick the needle up and go back and, and learn it by ear and, and, and all my records that I had back then all of them are scratched <laughs> yeah, I bet. They're, they're scratched I mean you look at them it just looks like somebody took their fingernails clear across them and what that what that's from is you know I'd hear Bill Monroe or, or some of them mandolin players like Sam Bush and all of them I get down through there and I listen about the first eight notes and back it up, back it up, and I, I mimic them to where I could learn what they was doing. Then after I got to a certain part um, in my life, then I pretty well know where I was getting around. So then I just started doing my own stuff. And but that that's the way I I started learning. Um, I, I took lessons for just a short time, and then my teacher passed away, and um, and. But, you know, he was teaching me how to read music. Uh, I think I did that for like six months. Then he passed, and then I just started uh, doing it by ear. And bingo, right there, um, that's that's when it all started hitting. Yeah, sometimes you just got to listen, man. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to listen, and you put your own stuff in there. And I love to play when I play. I'm bad about this. I don't like to play a song the same way twice. Um, I like, once I play it one one time, I usually get mad at myself if I play it again that same way, that same because I always want to keep on learning. I just, I just don't want to keep playing like, let's say, old Joe Clark, and you play it through one time, and A, the A part, and, and you play the B part. Well, I don't want to go back and play the A part just like I played the previous, so I just want to, I love to improvise, let's put it that way. So on, on a song like Old Joe Clark, like what would you, how would you approach that when you when you say changing it up a little way? Would you add embellishments? Would you, um, like how would you approach it? When I, when I do like a fiddle song like that or any song, song like that, at the very beginning, I always like to play the melody. 
I, I want the, the listener to be able to say, hey, this is old Joe Clark. I can, I can hear it. But by round two or round three, that's when I like to venture off. I like to venture off a little bit too there. But uh, let's say round five or six, when I'm getting ready to end it, uh, I always like to go back and play the song with the melody at the beginning and the very end to let the crowd know, the listener, um, you know, what the song. But improvising, of course, you've got so many great improvisers out there. You've got Chris Sierra. You've got, you got a ton of them out there um, that, that are great improvisers. But I um, always like to – I always remember what Dole often said one time. When all else fails, play the melody. <laughs> and by golly, it's right. I mean, I mean because you know, if you don't want to get so far over the listener's head to where they they're thinking, what did they just play? And um, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, but there's a happy medium there. There, I think. The, the idea of improvising, where did you kind of pick that up from? Was it from listening to a certain artist or just listening to a lot of artists? Yeah, I actually listened to a lot of different artists over the years, um, whether it be, you know, bluegrass or gypsy jazz or or just um, all, the, all kinds of different styles. And after – the good thing about playing by ear to me – I mean, when you're reading it on paper, which is good, um, you you play it that same way all the time. I mean, if it's on paper, you play it like that. But when you're playing it from the heart and and you're listening to it, um, I I've actually got up there even on guitar contest and mandolin contest, and never even you know really rehearsed and played what was felt at the moment. Um, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes you go for it and you miss it, and sometimes you go for it and you hit it. But um, that's the whole part of uh, playing music for me. I mean, I've I've played solos before and and just uh, you know sometimes nail it and sometimes I miss it. And then as I get older, it don't bother me that much anymore. And I just laugh and go on. <laughs> yeah, but you know it's. It- for all those times you might miss it and fall on your face on it, how great does it feel when you nail it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, the, the the worst thing you can do for me, I think, is if you go out and hear an artist and you say, oh, man, they, they blubbed that all up. I mean, they hit that. And that it's what they was going for. Mm-hmm. That's what counts. Um, if, if I go, I mean, somebody comes down and does a, you know, just a, a hard lick all the way from the top for first position to the third, and then he misses the last note. Oh, well, I know what he's going for. You got to get past that. Like, that, that's that's the whole there's – a, there's a bunch of different sayings for it, but you miss every shot you don't take. And sometimes yeah. you just got to take those shots, you know, and you, go for you gotta it. You got to take those shots, and, and a lot of times when I record it, and, you know, you might muffle a note here or there, but – Oh, well, I'm, a lot of times I'll say, hey, let it go on. Um, the, the feeling's right in it. Uh, let it go on. So, and, um, but that's a, that's a whole part of playing, improvising and, and playing what you feel at the moment. And, boy, um, I encourage a lot, of, uh, a lot of pickers to do that. I mean, a lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to, you know, pull up, play this. I'm afraid of messing up. I said, you can't feel that way. I mean, you just got to play... If you mess up, you go on and, and just play from the heart. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, because I, it's, I've had so many pickers that that will even come up and say, "Oh, I don't want to play around you, Johnny. You know, I'm afraid of messing up." That's not to me. That's not the way it should be. Um, I, I, I just if if you mess up and you're going for it, and I hear you're going for it. I know where you're going. I know what you was trying to reach, um, and um, that's. That's the whole thing about being playing, you know, from the heart. Yeah, and and that's the thing I think a lot of people maybe don't even understand is a person like yourself, like who's such an incredible player, the last thing you're doing is judging somebody's playing who's playing in front of you. You know what I mean? Like you, you're just, you know, you you want everybody. It's all these players aren't aren't looking at this person going like, oh, they play crummy. They don't. That's the they're just playing music. Absolutely, and you know, I always want to. 
encourage people like you know even if you're a beginner or you're um you know advanced player always want to play play music with them because you know you want to encourage them you 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 don't want to discourage them and um so that's basically you know it don't matter if they're beginning or advanced i'll always try to play play music with them because that's that it's going to help them along the way you um your story is really interesting in the fact and again this goes back this i don't think this could happen now a because there's not record stores but you mm -hmm. um you put out like a like an early recording and um somebody that was at tower records in nashville just loved the album and started oh, <laughs> yeah started playing it at the store and suddenly it was it was like ranking in the in the top sales at that store with some of these like britney spears and, and yeah. artists like that right <laughs> Yeah, it it was weird how it you know they the old saying where it says timing is everything. There's a lot to that um, because I, I I recorded the CD. We was done with it, and uh, Sony put it out in Nashville and Tower Records. And there was a newspaper uh, person um, worked for the New York Times that was in there shopping. And my CD was playing over the speaker, and his name was Neil Strauss. I'll never will forget this. And oh, this is a good one right here. I'll tell you, I just now follow this. He, so he went, and he, he heard my CD over the intercom, so he went up and talked to this lady. I think her name was Jan. And he said, I'd like to buy the CD that you're playing on the intercom. She said, well, if, I don't think it's for sale yet, but she said, but we'll go ahead and get you a copy. Well, he found out the story that I was a UPS driver with a major record label, and he was wanting uh, to do an interview on me. Wait, wait, somehow he got my number. He called my house, and um, he said, blah, 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 I'm Neil Strauss with the New York Times. Well, I thought it was a prank call, so I hung up on him. <laughs> <laughs> hung up on him. Hung up on him. <laughs> and he called me back, and he said, Buddy, why do you just hang up on me? I said, buddy, I ain't got time to sit around here. And, you know, I thought he was just telling me a big one. And he said, I wanted to come to West Virginia and do a, a ride along with you on the UPS truck and do an interview on you. And um, I never will forget, he, he came down from, a, I think, from New York City, working um, for the New York Times, and he done this story on me. It made, uh, I I don't know if it made the front page or what, but it was me standing in front of the UPS truck with my mandolin. And um, I, I never will forget what he said as he got back in his car. He said, your life is about ready to change. And I said, what do you mean by that? <clears throat> and he said, your life's about ready to change. I got up the next day, as soon as that newspaper came out, my phones were blown up, up from every major news uh, label out there, you know, CNN, we had CBS, Dan Rather, we had Good Morning America, we had Oprah, we had, I mean, just all of them were calling here and calling where I work, um, wanting to come and do uh, stories uh, on me with being on a major record label. So we had um, the Today Show came at UPS, they came twice, I think. I was on CNN twice, um, CBS with Dan Rather. Um, so, I mean, and et cetera. I mean, we had People's Magazine. And, I mean, it was just a media blitz. But I understand now what he meant. Your life is about ready to change. <laughs> <laughs> I understand now. Wow, that is so, so wild, man. Yeah, that was, that, that's how that all started. And um, But I, I just came... I rode the wave as long as I could, but because of, um, Larry Gross here, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Mountain Stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Larry Gross, the, he was in charge of it. He said, I was telling him what was going on. He said, just ride the, the wave as long as you you can, Johnny. And um, he and I did. And it, and it came to a point in the crossroad where, you know, I was, I had to, you either have to choose one or the other. And um, I just, I got to thinking about it and I asked my dad and everything. And he says, you know, music, steak today, beans tomorrow, Johnny. 
He said, that's the way it is in the music business. I said, you're right. And he said, UPS is a good, stable job, a good job, retirement benefits, everything. So I went with what my dad said, and dad was right. Yeah. That's, dad was right. That's great to hear that, man. And it's also great to there's not an ounce of bitterness in your voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's yeah. in this business, bitterness is like, a, <laughs> it's like, it's pretty prevalent, you know? And it's, a, it's really great to hear somebody who's just, uh, just upbeat and happy, man. And uh, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I was playing with John Cowan and we, Jim Hurst and oh, Scott wow. Bestel and John asked me to join the group. Um, and you know, of course, John's my, Good buddy, great guy, and and you know he said, Johnny, I want you to join my group with Scott Bestel and Jim Hurst, and I, I I was torn with him some, but I couldn't do it, man. But you know, he was my biggest hero. I I, I just think the world of him, and for me, you know, I wanted to do it, but I had to keep my head on straight, you know, to provide for the family and look out down the road and. And I, I went ahead and made this choice, and, um, and and you know, no regrets, no regrets. And like I say, I've got 33 years in now, so I'll put in about another three or four or so years, and I'll just go out there and play music all I want to. Then. That's right. <laughs> checks in the mail, checks in the mail. Absolutely, man. <laughs> That's a whole different mailbox money right there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Checks in the mail. Now, um, how did you get signed to a like a major label? I mean, that's a that that's pretty that's a pretty big uh, deal for anything, especially for a, a mandolin. Well, Ricky, when I was playing the Grand Ole Opry, Ricky Skaggs told me he said you've done something that I've never seen before. I said, "What's that?" He said, "You're working the day job and you're on a major record label." <laughs> I said, and he said, too, you're playing bluegrass. I said, I said, well, I don't know how it all happened, Ricky. I said, I said, it just kind of happened. And he, he was laughing about it. He, of course, I know Ricky good. And he, he, uh, he, he just, he said, what, how, how did it even happen? And we were shopping, you know, at the time we was shopping at, for, you know, I think we went, we shopped up for a rounder, compass, and another, but nobody bid on it, uh, and then, boom, Sony said, we'll pick it up. Next thing I would know, I was on, um, with country, country artists, too, on their label, um, you know, and I thought, holy cat, how did we get here? <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> I mean, you know, we, uh, and then I think within like, a, don't quote me on this, like for like maybe a month or two months, it, it, I can't remember what all it sold like. It, it doesn't sell like 30,000 back then. It doesn't sell like 30,000 copies within one month. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was just, it was getting, um, it was a whirlwind and I thought, oh my goodness. It, it was, it was hard, you know. Plus, I was working, and plus, I was torn, you know, playing the Opry, and we was doing this, and going here, and going there. Man, I tell you what, it was, um, it was an adventure. It was an adventure, but I seen, I had a, I got a good chance to see how it all turned into work, (laughs) and I seen, I thought, man, there's a lot of pressure. You got to be here, Johnny. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to be here, Johnny. You got, and, and then there was a lot of, uh, you got to do stuff. And I thought, this is turning into a job, Johnny. And, um, I thought, well, I think I'm going to make my decision. I'm going to keep my day job. And I'm going to play music and be happy. But I'm, yeah, I didn't. I didn't need all the glamour and grits, and you know all that goes, you know the big, the big bank accounts. I mean, everybody. I thought, nah, because it, it it's for some people, you know, to to do that. And I'm not saying it's a bad way to make a living. It's 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 up to the individual. And boy, to me, man, I just I thought, man, I want to play to have fun. I want to play to have fun. I don't want no. I don't want no more pressure on me. <laughs> yeah. 
I just love that the uh, the opening track on a major label record is called Mandolin Meltdown. <laughs> <That's> just... That song, um, and of course, the whole album's original, uh, original music that I wrote, and, and, I, and I, I thought, man, what am I going to name this song? It was out of the key of G minor, and I thought, man, what am I going to name this song? It, I love the melody to it. It had kind of like a Grisman Bush sound to it. Yeah. And I thought, I'm just going to name this on Johnny's Mandolin Meltdown. And um, by golly, I did. And, um, that's what we kicked it off. It, and they asked me, they said, Johnny, we want to um, we want to put another mandolin player on there with you, too. That It's kind of like a, like a, like a doish thing. He said, they said, who do you want? I said, oh, my gosh, let's get Sam Bush. <laughs> I, said, I said, let's get Sammy. And they said, okay, we'll get Sam. So uh, Sam played on, the, on, on that cut with me, and he tore it up, as usual. Yeah. Well, did you record up. that live together? No, actually, with my work schedule, um, I pretty well had to go down, do my stuff, and then we kind of filtered everybody in sure. around that. And then um, another track I love off that album is Catch Me If You Can. That oh, yeah, great that... tune, man. Well, I appreciate that. They, that they, you know, I sometimes you just think, um, you know, you if you just you think, man, I'm gonna write a song. And a lot of times I'll I'll do it with events that happen in my life. And that that one had to be. I can remember that whenever we were going down the road, I was riding my bicycle, and I'd look back and I'd say, "Boys, catch me if you can," on my bicycle, and. Um, and I would, uh, some, just like the other song, you know, The Legend of the Ghost Coon. That's where I used to go coon hunting all the time. We'd get after this old coon, and he would uh, go up a tree, and the dogs, he would fool the dogs every time, and I called him the ghost coon. <laughs> so, uh, and I, it's just little adventures like that that went through my life that I kind of named my songs after. So, you know, it's because I'd, I'd go coon hunting all the time with my dogs and, and go out and enjoy the, you know, being out in the woods and so, yeah, so just little things like that, that that make you want to write a song. Do you have a process for when you sit down to write? Like, do you, I know some people sit down with the intention to write songs, and some people it just something comes to them, and then they just run with it and make it happen. I think, to me, it, this is how, um, I never sit down to, to say, hey, I'm going to write a song. I'll be sitting and practicing, and it, it's just, and not even thinking about writing a song. And then, boom, right there, it hits me. The melody. The me- I always start with the melody first. Because the melody, the melody is very, very, very important, I think. To, I mean, the lyrics are, too. But, man, that melody. Um, and, but I find if you sit there and you just keep saying, oh, I've got to get a melody, i got to... Um, to me, I, it hits me right when I'm not even thinking about it. 
and then boom, I'll, 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 I'll keep it in my mind or, or record it real quick to that so I don't forget that. And then that's how I write mine. Your other album, too, I want to mention is Time Moves On, which is another just fantastic album, man. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's what the, that's what the old delivery boys there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great album. And I have to say, I remember um, I was getting ready to go to Ireland for a month. And mm-hmm. the night before, I was just like packing and whatever and just had my, uh, you know, my phone on random. And that track, Time Moves On, came up in like all my songs. And at that solo, I sat down. My wife was probably like, hey, we have to get up at like four in the morning. But I'm sitting out here writing, writing out in terrible tablature like that solo so I could work on it while I was in Ireland for a month. And dude, I, th- I bet you just I just listened to that yesterday. I'm like, man, I, I've copped so many licks from just that one solo that are still in my vocabulary. <laughs> I mean, all your work is like that, though, but that was one that I sat down and learned, and I, I got so much out of it, man. But yeah, my dad my dad uh, wrote that song. Of course, it talks about him going to church and everything and, and then going through his life, and, and then, you know, at the last, I'm still here with snow in my hair, missing all my loved ones is more than I can bear. He wrote that song, Time Moves On, probably about five months before he passed away with cancer, and... Yeah, so and it was very important for him to to get that song wrote before his passing and he, he said, I gotta finish this song and he said, um, I got the words here, uh, Johnny and he said, Now we gotta we gotta put a melody to it and I said by listening to it, I said, It's got a blues feeling to it. It's got a a blues feeling. So I put that I put the melody to it. And um, and so Dad wrote the lyrics, and I, and that was the last song he wrote. Wow, yeah, and that solo is great because it's got it all, man. It's got a great build up to it. It's got space, which a lot of times, like you know, especially you know, you got all the licks that anybody could ever want to have, but you know how to use them. I mean, some people, some people, uh, you know, are, are you do too much sometimes, and you, absolutely, yeah, dude, you just yeah. nail it. What the best thing you can do is um, is sit back. I mean, you don't want to put every lick that you know on, on in a song because it, um, you got to know when you know to hold back. You know, like like playing behind a singer, you you can play too much behind a singer. Sometimes less is more. Um, you 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 got a singer there and they got a little breath comes in there and they want you to trickle in. You don't want to fill it up too busy. You want to just put enough in and get out. Get in, get out. So um, basically, with well, that's so what you're talking about. Um, um, I improvised that right, right from the when we went in because I played mostly on the guitar. So I went in, and we and then we at the very end we moved it up to double time. Um, when we played and played it the solo over a double time, so um, that was pretty well improvised. All that. That's a it's a it's a great one. The whole album's great, man. So well, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I appreciate you putting them out. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could. Get, I wish I could put a bunch more out and and that, that maybe maybe here for long. I'll, I'll get some time to record some more. So when you had these hours of time, uh, that's one of the things in, in your bio that really stood out to me is you practiced for hours a day at times. And I would love to know, like, what are some of the things that you think that you worked on that really helped develop your, your style? Because, again, not everybody plays as fast and as clean as how you play. Um, that's I mean, when you listen to it, it's really striking, man, like the, the clarity in your playing. Well, I mean, I, usually I practice on my lunch. Uh, I get an hour and ten break a, a day, so I usually devote all my time pr- practicing on that. And then when I get home, usually I get home about nine thirty to ten every night. So then when I get home, I'll grab a bite to eat real quick, and then I, it's nothing for me to play t- two or three hours, clear up to about twelve, twelve thirty at night, and just. But when I do, um, 
I've always, been, a, a lot of people have asked me that question about how do you get your right hand with your speed? And I, my trick to tell, because I play a little fast, I mean, I'll float over with the right hand, um, but my hand's not very stiff when I'm doing that. Um, if you if you make your hand real stiff, and, and if you're digging in a bunch, if you're digging in, uh, that that will prevent you from playing fast, like let's say something like rawhide. Um, if you if you're digging and digging digging, having to play hard, that that will that will slow you down. Um, so basically, I just play light with the right hand, and um, like when I practice, um, I don't practice on any certain thing. Um, it's just whatever I feel at the moment, and um, like I say, I. I don't try to sit around and at, at, at this point in my life, I don't, I don't try to sit around and try to copy everybody else. I just, I want to play what Johnny wants to play. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, be, being free with the right hand is very, very important. Not locking up because when you lock up with your, with the wrist, uh, you're preventing, you're preventing, um, it's a bad thing to do, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I also think it, I mean, for me in particular, I can always tell too if I'm playing something fast. And besides the fact that I know I'm gripping too hard because of the my how my hand feels, but I don't think the tone sounds nearly as good. It feels like it just gets, it just, it loses all the beauty of, of the instrument, you know, because you're just pounding away on it. <laughs> and it's, yeah, you know, it's not singing. I, yeah, I mean, to me, to me, on any instrument, a fretted instrument, setup is probably at the top of the list. I've I played people's guitars and, they, and mainlands, they've handed them to me, and they've got high actions on them. I'll hit it about two or three times and hand it back to them. And what I mean by that is um, th- that high action, it, it's good. I, I, I believe in you know getting a lot of tone, but there's a happy meeting. Um, I, I, I keep mine pretty low, um, and it's easy for that guy out there running sound to turn me up like that. Let me play my best with a low action. I don't want buzzing, but I want it down there to where it's easier for me to note and um, to get around on quick. It's just like a Fender Telecaster. Um, I want I want it to play real easy like that. But setup is a is, is a lot of it. Do you do your own? No, I'm, I, I play mandolin, uh, Les Mandolins here in West Virginia, Lee Chapman, and he he does my setup uh, for me, and he's a great mandolin builder, and he's a killer setup. Uh, he can he sets them up real good, and he Lee just lives probably about an hour from me, and um, I've been playing his mandolins for all the last maybe four or five years, and. Um, I just love the tone on them. They, they, the real uh, clear, the craftsmanship is excellent. And so I thought, well, he's a good old West Virginia boy too, and that, that's a plus. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the model that you're playing right now? It's an F model. Okay, cool. Yeah, I am. I never did, I mean, not saying A models are bad. I just I always preferred the F model. Yeah, I, I love the F's too. I've played a bunch of A's that sound amazing too. You know, I'm mm-hmm. always, you know, it's just uh, there's something about I love that scroll. <laughs> I do, <laughs> I do too. I just love the looks of them, the sound of an F model, and you know, there's all kinds of great mainline builders out there. You got Gilchrist and Duden Bostels, and I mean, you got you got like yourself the Duff mainline. You got all these and Red Diamond. I mean, there there's tons of great mandolin builders out there and um you know uh i can remember my first mandolin i started off on was an alvarez <laughs> was it really yeah it was a, the, the, actually my first mandolin that i started playing was a harmony oh no and kidding that, that yeah and, and that's we're going back way years back and then i i moved up to an alvarez and then then i've had gibson mandolins and you know i've had um, red diamond mandolins and Gosh, and now I'm playing uh, Lee's mandolin, so uh, uh, 
Um, so yeah, there's just all kinds of great mainland builders out here now. Yeah, how how is it that you settled on this one for you? Besides, you know, besides the fact he's a a West Virginia guy. <laughs> Round over here, my UPS route. I was running in Ravenswood, West Virginia, and I play a guitar um, made from Bob Thompson uh, right down here. But Bob's my neighbor and builds great guitars. And Bob was down there and was down at his house. He said, man, I've got some old red maple. He said, I'm talking old red maple that he said, I cut this old tree back in, I think, 1970 or 1980 or early 80s. And he, and he said, um, the wood's down there, Johnny. And he said, I said, man, I'd like to have a mainland built out of that. So I called Lee. Lee came down and he said, let's do it. He said, so we made the, uh, Lee made the mainland. Man, I got that mainland. That thing is super clean all the way up the neck. It just, I mean, it's just like you hit the note and it just rings and, and, uh, man, great note separation. Oh, man, and it plays like a dream. So I thought, I thought, oh, my gosh, this, this thing is just brand new out of the box and it sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> And you don't have to go down to the bank and borrow two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, man, this is a win-win situation. Oh, that's cool. So man. I, 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 that's basically I've been playing that thing, and it's it's a lot easier. It's player friendly. <clears throat> that's that's what I was telling you earlier. Setup and the feel of the, the instrument is very very important. Um, I mean, if you got a bad knack on an instrument, it don't matter how good it sounds. You still got a bad neck. <laughs> you still got a bad neck on her, and you got to live with that. So, um, but this neck on this mandolin is perfect, and and the intonation is perfect, and it is is super clean, and just everything you'd want out of a out of a good mandolin. The craftsmanship is unbelievable. So, yeah. So that's that's basically what I'm playing. What kind of um? This 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 is a nerdy question uh, that I love to ask. So, but how about picks? Oh gosh, yes. The pick is very important. To me. Um, I I got so used to using uh, those little uh, those Wigan picks um, with the the triangle kind of shape with the speed holes drilled in them. I I got so used to using them. Um, I can't hardly play with nothing else anymore. And um. I used to use a pick. Now this is just me. I'm not. I'm, uh, I used to use a pick that that was kind of rounded on the sides. To me, and I went back and listened to my solos. I tape recorded it, and I went back and my, my picking wasn't as clean. The notes wasn't as clean on that rounded one, uh, uh, like the Wiggins makes. Uh, it was. It was kind of like it was a little muddy, but. But I, when I used the 1.4, I think that's what it is, and with the with the kind of triangle pick, man, you, you could you could really hear the the notes a lot clearer, and so that's what I use. Uh, yeah, that's what I use, and I I use it when I play the guitar and everything now. Did you ever spend much time learning like different scales or different things like that? I know you mentioned you uh, like some gypsy jazz. You know, what were some things you were working on to uh, to get that gypsy jazz stuff under your fingers? Yeah, but, well, my buddy Robert Schaefer, he is, he's a guitar wizard, and he's into that stuff all the time. And, um, like, when we're out touring and stuff and traveling, he'll say, check out this lick. And I'll say, where in the heck you get this kind of a lick at? <laughs> And then I'll take it off the guitar and I'll put it on the mainland, and he, he's like, "It works, don't it?" And I said, "Yeah." And but he, he'll he he'd grab him licks, and you know, and and you know these uh, uh, that that go right in there and kind of all been the licks and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of what got me into that. And and like I said, we we you pretty well had to branch off to different styles of music um, uh, to. To grab those kind of licks, I mean, you know, gypsy jazz. I mean, you're not going to hear them augmented licks in the old home place. <laughs> you're not going to, and you and you probably wouldn't want to either. <laughs> but it improves your knowledge, and um, believe me, there's a time and a place for everything. And then we'll When I play old time traditional music, 
here's what I, I love to play. I love to play old time traditional music. I don't like to put a bunch of I don't like to put a bunch of notes in it. I don't like to to busy 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 it up. I, I want to. If you're playing something like I'll Stay Around, Old Home Place, play the melody and melody alone. To me, that's where it sounds the best. And um, and you know if you want to if you want to play all that other stuff, maybe you know. Put it in Sweet Georgia Brown or something. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and you also um, there's that great video of you and I believe it's Robert out there. It's it's kind of it's a classical piece that you guys are playing out on YouTube. Oh boy, that's that's probably been a long time ago. That's um, that was the Mozart piece. Playing that up to bluegrass style and 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 making a four four timing and it's it's a beautiful of course I mean beautiful melody I mean it's been around for years and but the, I recorded it with my band on the Wound for Sound album a long time ago um, and um, we had banjo on it and guitar and mandolin and bass and uh, but um, Memories of Mozart. Beautiful. It, it, it lays out beautiful on the banjo, the guitar, the mandolin. I mean, Josh, you can't uh, you can't beat that. <laughs> I mean, I, I hear that song. I'll still put it on the CD going down the road in my old car and just play that. And you know, memories of Mozart, bluegrass style. It don't get any better than that. Yeah, that's um. How did you how did you come up with that or how the idea to to record that? I heard Dan Crary and 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 then boys do it a long time ago, and I thought, man. Of course, Baylor was playing it on the banjo, and I thought, man, that's just beautiful. I mean, I mean, you know, even when Baylor come in on, you know, the C part uh, and with the with the melodic rolls on the banjo, and and um, you know, I, it, it, the melody. I thought, man, this is beautiful. That's I, I wanted to record it so. I did. I, I I listened to playing a lot of music. I listen to a lot of other. Like even if I'm in a band situation, I'm constantly listening to the other player. Probably more than I am to myself. And um, like let's let's say we're playing in a bluegrass group and banjo players over a fiddle player. I'll be listening to what they do, and um, because I I I think it's very important as of being a musician. Don't just sit there and listen to yourself all day long. Um, listen to whatever all the other people are doing too. Grab grab some of them licks because I tell you why they're good. <laughs> they're good, and you can use them in your own, um, uh, you know, your own rendition of let's say Black Rose Lawson. Um, if I'm going out through there and here comes that banjo player and he just puts an incredible lick in there, hey, I done caught it, and then I'll pull him off the side and say, show me that lick. <laughs> <laughs> I want that. Yeah. I want that. <laughs> but, if you're, but if you're sitting there and listening to yourself all the time, you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, say, hey, what was that? Yeah, there's, a, there's another great video of you playing uh, Whiskey Before Breakfast with Julian Lodge on YouTube. Oh, Woo. man. I never will forget that day. I, I was at Mountain Stage, and I just, of course, I was playing there that day, and he was too. And, and I never met, uh, never met him. And this is this is a funny story, true story. He was over sitting, and I walked by there. Of course, uh, Ron Soul was with me. He was the music director. <clears throat> and I said, "Where's well, an old boy over got a guitar?" I, I looked at him. I said, "Hey, buddy, you play guitar?" <laughs> he said, "Oh, a little bit." I said. Well, okay. I said, well, just, I said, come on down here a little bit. We'll pick some. But, but boy, I, we went down there. My buddy filmed it. And when I heard him take off on that guitar, my mind did. But I thought, holy cat. 
And I had the nerve to ask him if he played guitar. <laughs> <laughs> it was unreal. But I told Ron after, after we got done there, I said, Ron, I, I think it's safe to say that we can play a guitar. <laughs> <clears throat> and Ron started laughing. And man, what a what a great guy, but what a great improviser. Dude, his left hand is like a... I can't even, I still can't even really figure out what in the heck, like what it sounds like and what he's doing. It's like two different things. It's amazing. I mean, both of you, you obviously crushed it as well on that, but like you could see, like just, you could see you're watching his hands while he's playing and it's just like, what in the uh, world? Uh, when, I mean, and there again, right there's a good example of sitting back and listening to what somebody else is playing. And I was listening and everything that he was Given it, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was wanting to catch it to, you know, to see if I can put it in the stuff that that I play. But man, he, he, he murdered it. And, and, and but, but I, I still think that today. You know, I walked by the man and I even asked him. I said, "You play guitar, buddy?" He said, "Oh, a little bit." <laughs> but boy, I'll tell you what. It, it, after that, I mean, he's. Hey, what a great guy and what a great picker. Man, that, that was that was a lot of fun. I'd love to hear an album of you two playing. Holy moly. Oh boy, I tell you what, he's he's a hard man to keep up with. I can tell you that. <laughs> as I get older as I get older, um, you know you 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 know, your youth is a lot too. And but I but I'm I'm trying to hold on as long as I can, you know, playing at a, at this uh level and stuff, but you know, playing these fast songs and all that stuff, but man, you see these young kids playing that today, and, and you gotta love it, because I, I tell you what, I'd rather see them playing an instrument than sitting down staring at their cell phone all day. Absolutely. Um, I mean, now I think that's what um, helped me when I was a kid. I mean, we didn't have any cell phones, and, and you know, just I'm think, I was thinking about this the other day, just think how many great musicians out there, and Young kids could be out there just tearing a piano, violin, and all this stuff. As much as time as they put on that on a phone, uh, oh my gosh, they'd be another Beethoven. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's we're in the world of uh, instant gratification and distraction for sure. And I'm just as bad at it. I mean, I'll be working on something, and you know, like just trying to play it and next thing i know it's 10 minutes later i've listened to two different songs and <laughs> i'm like what am i yeah. doing <laughs> yeah so i mean as i got older i i realized time time's not on your side you know make the most out of your a day and your time as you can anymore and especially for getting around and sitting around practicing for your own enjoyment and you know own relaxation you, you don't have to I, i'll be honest some of the best Probably some of the best singers and best pickers I've ever heard in my life have never been on the stage. So, I mean, uh, you don't have to say, well, I live in Nashville or and do this. Some, some, I mean, I've seen some incredible music. We got a chance to go to Ireland and we was over there playing. I met some incredible singers over there, pickers and, and people you've never heard of. But, oh, yes, yes. So... I always like to quote what Kenny Baker says. They uh, said it. Somebody asked him, he said, Kenny, who do you think is the best fiddle player in the world? He said, oh, probably some guy up in an old holler nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one, though. Yeah, for sure. And this Now, this leads to uh, you're, you are a prime example of something I ask everybody. I have two questions left and I ask these these two questions to everyone and you are the greatest example of this that I can think of. I mean, you spend your lunch break, you're working 10 hour days, you take the hour to go practice and you're, you know what I'm saying? You, you find the time. Now maybe everybody doesn't have an hour but they have 10 minutes and so if you just had 10 minutes today to work on something or to recommend something that somebody could work on to get better, what would you recommend? Um, clean, plain clean. Um, instead of, you know, a lot of people, you know, you, you know, being clean, a clean player, it don't matter what instrument you play, being very clean is, um, 
is probably 90% of it to me. I mean, you don't want to play a solo and it be all muffled up and, and you know, the right hand's not jiving with the left. And, and get it as clean as you can. Like you said, practice. It, you know, there, there's a reason why them boys can make them th- uh, three-point shots out there on the court uh, all day long. They, they sit out there and they practice, practice, practice. And every time you get a chance to, to sit down and practice, um, try to learn. Don't, don't stay in the same rut. Don't play the same thing every day. Keep learning. And um, that's, that's basically um, my best advice. But, you know, if 10 minutes, like you're saying, practice uh, being clean, being tasteful. Being tasteful. Don't see how many notes you can put in there. Um, sometimes just, just lay back, be tasteful, play the melody. That's great don't advice, to, man. Yeah, don't try to don't don't try to sit there and try to impress everybody. You know, all day long with it. Well, you know, I know all these skills. Some of the best music I play, uh, I've ever heard anybody play has just been real simple melodies, but real tasteful. Great advice. You can't you can't get you can't get much better uh, advice from a much better player on on this on this idea right here. You're you're the prime example of you know. Working hard and sounding incredible. <laughs> well, boy, I appreciate it. I try to, I try to put as much practice as I can in on a work day, and 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 um, try to make it all work down here at the uh, life here on the farm. Yeah, that's right. Well, I got, I've got one more question left for you. And you're not a drinker, so what I ask for people who don't drink is, uh, do you have a favorite fiddle song to play? Oh my gosh, a favorite fiddle song. Um, I, yeah, I, I'd say I'd pro, I, I love the old song called Soldier's Joy. Soldier's Joy. Um, I love it. I mean, it's probably one of the oldest fiddle tunes. Um, me and my good friend Bobby Taylor, who's a great fiddle player here in West Virginia, he, he's telling me it's one of the oldest. Uh, and uh, Soldier's Joy is, is just, I love the melody to it. Of course, I love playing out of the key of D. I love it. Um, on the on the fiddle or the mandolin, I just I just think it's a beautiful chord, and um, so I'd say that one's my favorite old time fiddle song. That's awesome. That's a great tune. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, Johnny, uh, this has been an absolute honor having you on. I really appreciate it, man. You've been, uh, you, I mean, as long as I've had a mandolin, I've had uh, one of your albums that got a lot of listening. So for it's really uh, it's really been great to talk with you and. And, uh, well, and, same and here. I really I, appreciate I, you taking the time. I'm, I'm taking. We we finally got time to hook up. Absolutely. And, uh, you were one of, <laughs> you were one of my names. You were one of my uh, you were one of my first names on the list. But like, you're a busy, dude. And I and I was so when you when you uh, responded back to me a, a little while back, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, I gotta I, make this happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm horrible about getting back on Facebook and stuff like that and and text and all that, but. I, I, I caught that message you sent over, and I thought, yeah, I'm off, I'm, I'm off this Friday, buddy. We're going to do it. I appreciate it, man. That's, uh, that's patience. That's what it is right there. You just, just be patience. patient. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Thank you to Johnny Stats. Thank you for listening. You can find Johnny Stats at johnnystats.com. That's S-T-A-A-T-S.com. I have all the links to Johnny's stuff on the website, songs that are in this episode, all that great stuff. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to sign up for that Modern Mandolin Camp this weekend. Hope to see you all on there. You get that discount, Mandolins and Beer 15, gets you 15% off. Cheers, everybody. Thank you so much.